Ryan. James, how you doing? Doing great. All good right. morning. Good morning. It is a good morning, morning to you. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Hadn't uh, left September uh, into October, but we still got to look back at September as much as we may not want to. We've got to look back, and we walked, uh, you know, the summer out, and uh, <laughs> we walked the summer out. Yeah, we walked the summer out. It's getting a little bit of a chill in the air here in Michigan, and uh, you know, chilly September in the markets too, huh? Yeah. If we look back, let's let's update everybody with what happened in case we didn't catch it. Yeah. Well, before I shock you all with the details. I want to just uh, get on record that if you look back at, I think, you know, 50 plus years historical data and then look at like, well, which months are the best for the markets in general and just talk about equity indices, stock indices, you're going to find that out of all the months, September is the one that's got a negative average return. So I don't want to shock you when I say that the S&P 500 was down 4.52%. Right. So a tough month. But uh, we kind of stepped into the month needing a little bit of a, a reversal, if you will, a digestion period. Yeah. And then you hit that seasonality and, you know, perfect storm. We didn't call it, but we talked about it. We talked about it. Yeah. Right. And uh, so bonds did not escape unscathed either. Um, again, fixed income bonds. Uh, the, we, we always look at the aggregate bond index, which is just going to be a mm-hmm. basket of bonds, um, down 2.44%. So stocks and bonds uh, had a tough month of September. So September's come and gone, but we still want to actually kind of dig into what was in September. And one of the things was, yeah. you know, that is it an annual government shutdown? Is it? <laughs> I feel like it comes <laughs> around. Down there, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you know what? I mean, again, to your point, like we've got to kind of inspect the scene of the crime and you wonder, okay, well, what was it that made September a tough month? Yeah. Well, the seasonality aspect, okay, fine. But then when you look, I would almost have the unpopular opinion that had the government shut down, I mean, we averted that. Right. We kicked the can down the road. That might have been bullish for the market. Yeah. It's the unpopular opinion. Uh, certainly there's uncertainty, but if you can get politicians to do less, the market actually likes that. Right. If you can get, you know, uh, less clarity on economic data, because remember, when you shut down, like, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, you're not getting the data <laughs> at, the, at the Fed, so they might have stepped back. But, you know, kicked the can down the road, uh, rates jumped on the news, dollar strengthened on the news, and uh, that actually was, was kind of anticipated. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't this just tremendous – you know, where everybody gathered together and said, oh, this is great functioning government. It's like, well, it's a dysfunctioning government. You just kicked the can down the road a little yeah. bit. But for now, we'll get the BLS data. We'll get, uh, you know, the economy will be continuing to be strong. Yeah. And one of the one of the numbers we did get was one that didn't get changed, right? With the Fed and the interest rates. and uh-huh. the- Yes, exactly. So we had the uh, September... Fed meeting, Fed policy meeting. And then obviously this is the place at which they decide, do they want to raise the anchor point Fed funds rate or not? Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, we'll call the term structure of interest rates, or it's better referred to as the yield curve, you'll find the different data points along the way here. So like longer dated uh, treasury bonds, shorter dated, shorter dated, shorter dated. And then the overnight lending rate is the rate that the Fed impacts when they do change rates. So when you hear them say they raised rates, lowered rates, it's all at that Fed funds rate, which is the shortest term rate when it comes to the yield curve. And the thought process behind it is if they move it up, well, the entire yield curve would move up. But that's not 
necessarily how it works because they're artificially impacting that short-term anchor point, but then the market drives what happens in the market-based rates. Mm -hmm. So we've got this interesting inverted yield curve. Now, I'll tie this all together here with saying the Fed did not raise interest rates. And you would think, well, my goodness, you got you have talked about every month that rising rent interest rates are challenging for markets. So if they didn't raise, well, why would the markets have um, you know acted so negatively off that meeting? Well, I can tell you why. Because there is a neutral rate mm-hmm. that the Fed likes to adjust. It's more of a longer term rate. And again, finding that neutral rate, that went up. That little detail went up. And so you went from, let's say, 2.5 to 2.75. Might not seem um, like a material increase, but it's 10% higher. Yeah. But it also acknowledges that the Fed is not kidding when they're saying higher for longer. The market hasn't necessarily trusted them on that. <laughs> right, they're not. But I think that they're start, you know, market participants are starting to go, okay, well, maybe they do have to. Digesting do it, realizing it might be that real. Higher for longer. Because, yeah. you know, keep in mind when we're looking at inflation and some of the metrics we're using, it, they're always looking in the rearview mirror and mm-hmm. they're always going point to point. So year over year. Well, at some point, once the inflation is embedded, well, your year over year change, maybe it is flat to 2%, but still the inflation is embedded. You know, the price of groceries are already up. They didn't go up anymore, but they went up so substantially that it's challenging. So it's it's a delicate uh, dance here. So talking about rates, right? And I know we usually do, you know, eight topics and try to touch them all. I guess I want to kind of combine one because we're getting a lot from clients and when we read things about, or even the news, you know, when are rates going to come back down or fall? Yeah. But then on top of that, Ryan, do we even want that? Right. Do we want them right. to come down? I think, you know, we might think we might, but where right. do we stand there? Yeah. So uh, be careful what you wish for. Right. Because typically the catalyst for that, uh, that anchor point rate to come down it's an event, mm-hmm. and typically it's a crisis event. Yeah. And so um, oftentimes the Fed keeps rates high to impact unemployment, or employment, I should say, mm-hmm. get the level of unemployment up. I mean, it seems kind of backwards, but that's how they would theoretically be able to address the inflation problem. So when that unemployment rate spikes, usually something has happened, like a credit event, something of that nature, and then rates kind of collapse. But in that moment, you're not liking yeah. how rates are collapsing and you're not you're, you're just not liking that. So I mean, I think that the the if you were to try and support the case for what's called the soft landing, bringing the plane in softly, not a hard landing which the Fed is notorious for creating, you would say, well rates kind of you, you, you see that the anchor point stays where it is and rates kind of fill in and come up. So you get kind of that upward sloping yield curve. And that's met with economic power, earnings power, all of those things that would harbor a higher interest rate structure. We kind of talked about that on a past podcast. Um, To get to lower rates from here, it's going to require an event. And so be careful what you wish for. We'll see. Now, the Fed might just do a, a nod towards inflation being defeated 
and do like a, you know, just more figurative, like <laughs> throw us the proverbial bone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just a quick rate cut and, and just acknowledge, hey, we're in a little bit different place. Maybe that like, you know, tightens up their yield curve for them and stuff. But let's face it, I think we have to be prepared for higher interest rates for longer. And I think that uh, if that interest rate environment were to go back to, and we have a word for this, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. But if we were to go back to that very low interest rate uh, infrastructure, it wouldn't necessarily be a welcomed environment. Unpopular opinion, but. Well, looking at those rates, how does that affect supply constraints? Oil, housing, you know, some of the variables that we're seeing out well, there. Well, and I think that the right question is is not necessarily how do the rates impact mm-hmm. that. It's more how do those things impact the rates, uh-huh. right? Because, you know, supply and demand. It's yeah. the basic fundamentals of economics. And when you look at two very important components of our day-to-day life, finding shelter and utilizing energy, you're finding c- supply constraints there. So oil. Obviously, we rely on uh, you know different countries and states and policies to drive the production of oil, pulling it out of the ground, refining it, and making it available to, for consumption. Well, if there's a choke point at anywhere, you know whether it's just a policy constraint, whether it's a governmental constraint, you you know whether it's just a uh, a nation strategically not producing oil, you have to be careful there because that supply is so critical. It's that the demand might be there, mm-hmm. but the, if the supply is not there, you're going to have a problem. So one of the things that we've seen with like the price of oil uh, jumped in the month of September, and a lot of that has to do with just supply constraints. You know, OPEC has said they're not going to pump as much. So there you go. It's not necessarily it's a demand issue or anything like that. Um, it's more the supply side. Then when it comes to housing, so our shelter, and that finds its way into our CPI readings, our inflation readings, recognize that a lot of homes were bought when rates were very low. So a lot of Americans have very low mortgage uh, rates. So they have a, a set of golden handcuffs on. Yeah. They really can't sell their house because the rate that they would have to buy the new house at is so high. So you're not getting supply coming online. Yeah. You're not getting supply coming online. So those two things um, keep the prices of those, what we'll say are commodities essentially, mm-hmm. higher. And then that filters into that inflation data. So it's an interesting time and uh, it takes a lot of – just focus on the data and anticipation of kind of that next move. But, and I think you're going to transition transition into this soon. It's just a different mindset. Yeah. You know, in September, it's important to look at some of the things that went into that, right? But, you know, if we start to look at something that's maybe new or maybe new to some of our clients or, you know, fans when they're watching this, yeah. is the idea of a ZERP. Yeah. You know, or a new regime. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. it. Sounds like a, a drink or something. Yeah. That I wouldn't let my kids. Yeah. Right, right, right. It might be a fun time. Yeah. Right. Might be a fun drink. Yeah. Yeah. So ZERP, zero interest rate policy. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, and, and I'm going to, you know, I'll just say it. I'm 41 years old. So when I say this, it might seem a little bit weird, but recognize I'm a student of history. Mm-hmm. So prepared. If you're, if you're younger than 50, you really don't know a world where interest rates are reasonable to invest in. You know, inflation is kind of an issue. I mean, it's a different world. Right. Those who are younger than that have operated in this zero interest rate policy environment panacea, if you yeah. will, where you're you're lunging from, you know, big swings in the market, big capital gains and stuff. And it, because when you look at the capital markets, it's a system. 
And so if interest rates are zero, I have to go get my targeted return by capital gains. Right. When interest rates are higher, well, if I'm trying to achieve a certain return, I can rely on those interest rates and I have, you know, less work has to be done at that capital gain level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it's a different modus operandi. Right. It's a different mode of operation and it's a different uh, construct for por- portfolios. Which we're on. We're on. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and you have to adapt. That's the problem um, that I sometimes see in this industry. There's no adaptation. No. So mediocrity is what you'll get there. Right. So we have to look at things a little bit differently, and that's exactly what we're doing. But, you know, I think that the, the ZERP days are done unless we are confronted with another crisis. And my goodness, it would be nice to move on from that. Right. Right. So, um, you know, again, just recognize we're certainly looking at it a little differently. Yeah. And we'll continue to report now as we move through the coming months what's working, what's not. Yeah. What so. ideas, you know, what we're going to do. Absolutely. So. so now instead of looking back at September, yeah. kind of looking forward a little bit yeah. into October, you know, earning some of the things that might, you know, kind of pop up. Yeah. So we've touched on this a number of times you know, fundamentally speaking, the market seems a little bit stretched here. I mean, in order for these value valuations to really work, you have to have some pretty robust earnings growth through 2024. So this is a very technically driven market. And one of our uh, analysts, Vince Vitali, has come up with a really good system to help us track those technical movements. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, shout out to Vince. But uh, definitely when it comes to October, we're going to get a very busy earnings season. So we'd like to see how those fundamentals are really looking. You know, again, when you're looking at what the market is anticipating, you know, it's double-digit growth into 2024. Mm-hmm. Well, the path to getting there is, number one, how did we, you know, how did we, how did corporate America do in the third quarter of 2023? But then what we'll like to listen to, likely be listening to, is the um, earnings projections, out into the future. Right. So uh, I, I'm really focused on that. I think that uh, you're going to see some, obviously, more inflation data, yeah. things like that. And we've just got to listen to the Fed. What you have in the interest rate world right now is a tremendous amount of volatility. And I'm saying interest rate world, and that's going to impact your bond portfolio. We've got a handle on it. But it's going to be very bumpy. It's going to be a lot of volatility. And those interest rates are the lifeblood to the capital markets. So as much as it'll be good to be looking at, like, you know, the earnings of the S&P 500, stuff like that, in the month of October, really we need to drill into how how's that interest rate volatility? Where what's the cadence of the you know inflation story? So a lot of moving parts, <laughs> and we'll be on it. Yeah, yeah. oh no doubt about it's, it. And it's exciting actually. You know when you're kind of looking at this, how do we maximize yeah. our clients' positions? Yeah. We drink from a fire hose every day. Right, it's a challenge, but boy, it's fun. All right, well, we'll be back in October, and until then, Ryan, as always, yeah, it was a good thanks. day.